This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Again, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Church of the Harvest. We are a family of Christ followers. We recognize that the Lord has brought us together. We're stronger together than we are individually, right? And so we've chosen to link arms and fulfill God's purposes in the earth together. And as you know, we meet in the community in small groups throughout the week. But how many of you, in, how many of you love Sundays when we still come together and we worship together corporately here as a family? At Harvest, we're a small expression of the body of Christ. We love God, and because we love God, we love people, right? And we serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? It is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through community, discipleship, and outreach. That's what we're all about. That's why we gather together. As for a while now, we have been, um, we've been discussing our identity and the responsibility of those in the family of God, those who have repented, turned from their old life, surrendered their life to Jesus, and are following him. Amen? So since the first of the year, um, we've been looking at priorities. And we talked about, uh, you know, our priorities in, in taking care of ourselves. We talked about the importance of taking care of our spirit, our soul, and our body. How many of you know we can't do the work that the Lord has for us without our soul and without our body? It's essential. We have to take care of those things. We talked about the importance of knowing what our priorities should be and the order they should be in. How do you know? The order is very important, the order of things, because we serve a God who is first, right? We talked about making sure that our actions line up with our values, that our actions line up with the Word of God. And, you know, as a church, as we talked about a minute ago, one of our biggest priorities is community, and with that in mind, I mean, we, we recognize that we were created to be loved by God, right? We were created for relationship. We were created as relational beings. And if that's the case, then that's very much something that we need to talk about. We need to talk about relationship. We need to talk about what that looks like and what our responsibility is when it comes to the various relationships in our lives. And so last week, I began a new short series I'm doing called The Blessing of of parenthood. How many of you enjoyed last week? We talked about the blessing of parenthood. And let me say this. As I said last week, if you're not a parent, don't check out because there is a lot for you to learn. We recognize that part of our responsibility in the body of Christ is to be investing in the next generation. You may never be a biological parent, but you are called to be a spiritual father. You're called to be a spiritual mother to those around you. And, and you guys know that there's, there's a lack of, of present parents in the earth today, and there's a lack of spiritual parents in the body of Christ. And, and so we need more, and, 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 and the body of Christ is reflecting that. And so as we go through this series, I want you to think about what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, speaking to you individually um, in your role as a parent and as a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, as a, as a friend, as a, as a coworker, whatever that may look like. Last week, I told you the priority of a parent. The priority of a parent is to train up their child in the ways of the Lord, gradually transferring that child's dependence away from the parent and make, put, making sure their dependence is upon God, right? Train up a child in the ways of the Lord, gradually transferring their dependence away from the parent until they are fully dependent on God. And we looked at Deuteronomy chapter six. We, I, I told you two primary responsibilities 
of a parent. And the first thing was to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Most important thing you can do. You, you would think that almost, well, that doesn't have to do with my interaction with my kid. They are watching you. They're watching your example. We must love the Lord our God with all our heart, and then we guide them and we lead them from that position first and foremost, right? And then knowing that our children will follow our example, the second thing I told you was you must make the decision to lead your family. People don't want to lead because they don't want to be accountable. They don't want to be responsible. But God has honored you with a great task, and he's given you the ability to accomplish it, hasn't he? Your children are not to lead you. Your children are not to lead the home. You're to do that, right? God placed you in that role. So as we love God and we lead intentionally by example, lead our families intentionally by example, our children, we will see their dependence upon us transfer until they are solely dependent upon God. And so today, I want to move on. I want to take that a few steps further. And um, if you, you have a Bible, you can turn to, to Mark chapter 10, or it'll be on the screen. We also have, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone uh, or on your mobile device, you can go there, and if you hit uh, more and hit events, you will see that uh, the notes will pop up on your, on your screen there. But today, I want to give you three principles, three essentials of godly parenting. And now, we probably have lots of kind of principles that we put in place, lots of things that we do uh, that we have in mind as we become a parent. And how many of you know some of the things that we do as a parent kind of shifts as we learn and as we grow in that position, doesn't it? I was thinking, for example, I, actually, I don't even really remember real well, but probably with your first kid, say with my, our first kid was Lauren. When Lauren dropped her pacifier on the floor, probably as a first-time parent, what do you do? You pick it up and you sanitize it and bleach it and, and you know, all these different things and check it out and before you give it to them. Now, what happens when second child, Madison, comes along? You look at it, you pick it up, you're like, you're good. And you give it back to him, right? And then you get third child, Aaron's running the live stream. Aaron comes along, he drops on the floor. You see the dog lick it, you're like, it's good, it's clean now. Right? <laughs> Things shift as, as we, the more we parent and the more kids we have. There's definitely a difference. Those of you who have more than one child, there's definitely a difference in the way you parented your first child and the way you parented your second or third or fourth child, right? Things, things kind of things change. But today, like I said, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, and we're going to talk about this encounter that Jesus has with children. Jesus is our example, right? So I want to break down this example of Jesus with the children and, and look at these three principles of, and really it's not just parenting, these are really principles of relationship that I want to look at. So in Mark chapter 10, it's in verse 13, and um, let's just read 13 through 16. It says, and they were bringing children to him, so this was parents, right, bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. He rebuked too. He rebuked the parents. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and he said, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. In this one story, this one story of Jesus with the little children, I see three principles of parenting that I think are essential that we need to look at. And so, number one, y'all ready? Number one, we have to offer loving touch. Loving touch. Now, in the day and age in which we live, I must add the word appropriate. Appropriate loving touch. Loving touch that communicates 
unconditional love and acceptance. In verse 13, let's, let's put the verse back up on the screen right quick. In verse 13, it says that the people were bringing their little children to Jesus to have him do what? To touch them. Why? Why are they bringing their children to Jesus that, that he could touch them? Because there is power in loving appropriate touch. There's power. Now, when you think of this story, them bringing their children to Jesus, he touched them. Some of y'all have been in the church too long. You're picturing prayer lines. Parents bringing them up, lining them up, standing before Jesus. They're all standing there. Jesus is coming up. He's going, power. And you know, guys, I don't think that's what it was at all. I don't think that's it at all. I think his touch was much different than that. And actually, an indication we have of that is found in the Greek word that's translated touch. It's the Greek word haptamahi. And it means to attach oneself to another or to embrace. That's a little different. I think my picture of this, and I, I, I don't know, maybe I've watched too much of The Chosen. My picture of this is not prayer lines and Jesus systematically going down the line. I, here's what I think happened. I, I don't believe this was during a sermon. I, I think that Jesus was kicked back talking to some folks. And I think he's interacting with them. And I, I can just picture, the way I picture in my mind, I can just see the little kids, little kids hiding behind their parents' legs and looking around at Jesus as he's talking to them. Can you see it? And they're looking around and they've heard about Jesus and they know their parents love him. And they're looking around his leg and they're just grinning. I can see him just stopping every couple minutes and going, hey, how are you? And eventually there's all these kids and he finally goes, hold on. And I think he sits down on a rock and I think he pats his knees and says, y'all come here. And I can see them just running up to him, right? And more and more parents start coming, and they're bringing their children. I want him to touch my child. I want him to touch my child, right? right? But they're all running up to him. And it says, he took them in his arms. He blessed them, and he laid his hands on them. I can just picture him hugging them tightly and speaking words of encouragement in their ears. These kids felt valued. They felt loved. I believe this was a very relational interaction. And, you know, guys, even science has found that touch is so important in the life of a human being, but even especially in the lives of children, it's incredibly important. Some of you may have heard in the 13th century there was a German king, King Frederick II. He was pretty diabolical. He would have called himself a Christian, um, but he did some horrible things. He was curious, and he did hor horrible things to, to, to meet his curiosity, to, to try to answer questions. He would do experiments. He would do experiments on people. This is in the 13th century. And so one of the questions he had was, he wondered if a child was never, ever spoken to or really interacted with what language they would speak. He had this idea that Adam and Eve spoke like the language of the gods, that it was within them. Like, nobody taught them. They didn't have parents teach them to speak. So he's like, well, maybe it's within every human being. And so he comes up with this experiment. It's a weird idea, but he wanted to find out what language a child would speak. So what he does is he somehow attains 50 infants. And he brings them into his laboratory, this, this laboratory nursery. And, uh, and he gets these, these ladies, these, these nurses, and he commands them to take care of these 50 infants. But there was a catch. They were not allowed to ever speak to the babies, and they weren't ever allowed to touch them affectionately. Well, 
in this, like I said, they weren't allowed to show any affection. They weren't allowed to show any emotion. They were allowed to feed them. They could change their diapers. But that was it. No affection, no speaking, no other touch. The experiment failed miserably because in less than a year, all the babies were dead. They all died. Um, now, why did they die? Was it nutrition, nutritional malnourishment? No, every indication is that they fed them well. They died of emotional and relational nourishment. They didn't have the touch and the affection that was so important. How many of you would say that physical touch is one of your top love languages? If you've never read the love languages book or taken the test, basically just saying that physical touch is one of the ways that you primarily receive love. Okay? Hey, if you were a little more like me and you would say, well, I'm not really the huggy, touchy, feely type. That's not, not, really, not really me. <laughs> Most guys are like this. <laughs> Most guys are, are, tend to be more this way. We, are, we as guys, many times we're totally good with a firm handshake, a look in the eye, a nod, southern nod, and a Tim the tool man, Taylor grunt. Hey, hey. You know, good. We, we step away. And maybe, and maybe we hug, but if we hug, it usually works out. It's, it's usually you step in, it's a handshake, a side hug, three taps, step back, break. And you're good to go. If you hold on too long or too many taps, it starts to get totally weird. Right? Now, Aaron and I were talking the other day about sports. It's interesting to me that the rules kind of change when sports are involved. Uh, some things that are okay in athletics wouldn't generally be so quite so appropriate. You know, when we started, when Aaron started playing competitive ball and started playing varsity baseball, um, we, we, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm not a big sports fan. And so I, I hadn't seen a whole lot of this. And then guys all, you know, smacking them, each other on the rear end. I'm, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> getting, getting a little odd around here. Uh, but, but I was quickly informed that it's okay for guys to smack each other on the butt. It's like, all right. Hey, Timmy, boy, smack him on the bitty. Could you imagine doing that in your workplace? Hey, Tim, good job. You know, be like, you'll get punched. For some reason, it's okay in sports. I would just imagine if I'm playing ball, I mean, it better be a quick flat-handed. If it starts getting curved or lingering, <laughs> we're gonna have, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a problem, right? Anyway, now that's all settled. Um, let me say this: when we began to have kids, when we began to have kids, I, I had to recognize that this is something that I needed to work on, right? And and I and I have all all five of our kids. We we all five of us hug multiple times multiple times a day. And, and all three of our kids have no qualms about jumping in the bed with us and laying squeezed right up between us. I had this in my notes earlier in the week, and then last night I took a selfie. Go ahead, Miss Kim. That was last night. I knew I, had, I knew I had written that down in my notes, and I was like, hold on, everybody. It's like, okay, you can take it down, as they're all like, all right. But guys, I recognize too that with the position that God has placed me in, that I recognize that I have needed and, and still need probably to learn to touch more. 
And some of you guys have recognized that maybe I'm getting better at that because I give like four pats now, right? <laughs> maybe five. Cool. But the excuse of, well, I'm not affectionate or I'm not naturally affectionate is not really good enough. We've got to learn to touch more because it is so important in our lives and it's so important in the lives of our children. Mark 5, 56 says, and so about Jesus, says, wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. Why? They, they begged him to let them touch even just the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Everybody say, all who touched him were healed. Guys, the word touch um, shows up about 20 times in the Gospels in relation to Jesus. And almost every time that it's mentioned, the word touch is mentioned in the, in, in, in the Gospels in relation to Jesus, it's talking about healing. Why? Because there is power in appropriate, loving, godly touch. Research about parents has found, guys, this is secular research. Secular research about parents and children found that in girls, their need for loving, appropriate touch begins increasing in their preteen years. Research shows that loving, appropriate touch from a respected father figure is very effective in helping deter early sexual activity in females. When they learn to be touched appropriately by a loving and godly person, they are much more likely to say no to inappropriate touch from an ungodly person. Research also shows that young girls are usually given about five times more affection and affectionate touch than boys are. However, research also shows that their need is about equal. Most boys, when they're quite young, how many of you have had young boys, they're usually quite affectionate when they're real young. But by the time they reach seven or eight years old, it's not cool anymore. Has their need changed? The need hasn't changed. They've changed due to social pressure, usually, is what it is. It's not cool to be getting hugs and kisses from mom and dad. As parents, we've got to make sure that our boys are still engaged affectionately. By the time a boy is seven to ten years old, your affectionate touch toward them might look different. And that's okay. Yeah, don't, I mean, they, they don't want you, you know, kissing in front of the whole class. You know, I understand that. You know, you can do things differently. You can hug. You, I mean, they probably don't want you giving Eskimo kisses in the car rider line. You know, it's like you, you're going you're gonna to damage their masculinity. It's, but for dads, it might be a secret handshake. It might be spending time just wrestling with them on the floor. Maybe it's a pat on the bottom, flat, quick. <laughs> One way or the other, guys, we have got to learn to frequently and consistently offer appropriate, loving, godly touch to our children and to those that we are in relationship with and those that we are leading. Amen? Number one, we've got to offer loving touch. Number two is spend quality time. We see here from the example of Jesus. One of the very most important things that you can give your children is lots and lots and lots and lots of time. And that's probably more difficult today than has ever been in history because we allow ourselves to get so busy that we don't have time for the most important things in life. People say, 
well, if only there was more time in a day. No, you would fill that with more stuff and you would be just as busy as you were before you got that extra time, right? It's about choices. There seems to be a shortage on time, but the reality is it's generally our choice. It's the choices that we make. Our children need our time. So back to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 14. People were bringing little cheese, little cheeses, little children to Jesus <laughs> for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said, let the children come to me. So people are bringing the children to Jesus. The disciples begin rebuking them. You know what they were saying? They were saying, he is far too busy. He's far too, he's far too important. He, he's got some dead folks to raise. He's got some eyes to open up. Let's, you know, let's keep the, keep, keep the children back and under control, please. And when I was thinking about this, you know, we read here that it says, when Jesus saw this, he was what? He was indignant. Now, the word indignant, many would agree that it's almost a soft translation of what this Greek word actually means. Um, Jesus was not happy. It could be translated today that he was quite PO'd, he was indignant. Okay? He said, no, let them come to me. Forbid them not. Bring them on. When you talk about quality time, actually, I was thinking this. Yeah, we have any NASCAR fans? Yeah, I'm not. That's cool, though. Anybody else? <laughs> That's cool. You know what I think is cool about NASCAR? The pit stops. That is one of the coolest things. Let the children come to me. What's up, Juliet? How you doing, girl? Hey, girly. <laughs> and really, what other choice did I have? Um, but what I think one of the coolest things about NASCAR is the pit stop. You know, the average pit stop is 12 to 15 seconds. Dude, in 12 to 15 seconds, they come in here and they can change the tires and they can put gas in and they can change the oil and they can give the car a check over and they can wash the window. Bro can eat a Happy Meal and he's good to go. 12 to 15 seconds. How in the world do they do that? Here's the thing, though. I think that's how we parent a lot of times. That's what our life as, as American parents looks like today. I think it's really sad because, you know, everybody gets home. I think that's our daily interaction. How was your day? Good. Did you do homework? Yes. Jump in the minivan. We got to go. Hey, well, what are we eating for dinner? I don't know. Get a French fry out from under the seat. Let's, you know, we're in a hurry. Yeah. All right, it's bedtime. Hurry up. Have you brushed your teeth? Yes. Got night. Love you. Night. It's like, good to go. Get in the bed and gone. Now, you know, obviously I say that with a little bit little bit of exaggeration. We, we spend more than 12 to 15 seconds a day with our kids. But guys, according to an article I read, the average American dad spends 37 seconds a day engaged in meaningful conversation with his children. 37 seconds. And we wonder why we have a problem today. Now, let's talk about the real world for a minute. Some of you 
have kids and, and you're married and both you and your spouse work and, and, uh, and, and it's challenging. Uh, you know, and then there's those of you that are single parents. Well, man, God bless your little heart because you work in a job sometimes too and, and you're getting them ready for school and their activities and, and, you know, doing all these different things by yourself, you know, many times without any further support. But guys, here's the thing. If you're not careful, no matter where you find yourself as a parent, if you're not careful, you will come up with excuses to say, I don't have enough time to spend with my children. And we all have excuses. We have, as human beings, we love excuses. Man, we can pull them out of, I mean, just in a moment, we've got an excuse for just about anything. But guys, you've heard me say this before, I've always found that as human beings, we do find the time and the money and the energy for what we really, really want. We find it. That tells us that it's all about our choices. People say, well, well, when things settle down a little bit, I'll spend more time with my kids. Well, when I finish my degree, well, I need to work some more hours to pay off this credit card, or I need to, I need to work some more hours so that maybe I can get this next promotion. Or, you know, once all that's passed, guys, how many of you know there's always another one? There's always another excuse behind that one. And the reality is if you don't make the decision to do it now, it's likely that you never will. You have time for what you choose to have time for. Uh, a number of years ago, um, a reporter asked, uh, asked Billy Graham a question. They asked him, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? Now think about this. Billy Graham, I mean, led some of the biggest crusades ever in the United States, led Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people to Jesus. If you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? I'll tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say, I wish I had done another crusade and led another 20,000 people to Jesus. He didn't say, I wish I'd opened up another training center for pastors and leaders so that they could be more effective in the world. He didn't say, I wish I had written another best-selling book that could have impacted millions. When he was asked, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do again? His words were, I would spend more time with my children. Now, in our position as, as pastors, you know, life can be a bit crazy. And there's constantly people pulling on you and vying for your, vying for your time, right? And because of this, you all know that, that many pastors don't handle their time real well. And for many pastors, their family gets neglected, that's why there's kind of this idea that, that pastors' kids are usually little heathens, right? Guys, it is true that, that many times there are children neglected um, because other people's needs came first. You had somebody who was trying to juggle the work of ministry. Um, but we had to make a decision early on about this because we decided that we were not going to be available to everybody else but not available to our children, our children would be first. We had to make that choice. And so what did we do? We, one, high priorities to us is having good leaders in place. That's why we know that we can leave for a week or two or three or four or whatever, and we know that everything's going to continue to work like clockwork because we have faithful leadership that knows that this is where God has called them, and they do their job eagerly, right? We find, because we have these good leaders in place, guys, we... We generally don't answer the phone late at night. Our phone does ring sometimes, and it's hardly ever an emergency, but generally, we're, we're generally not answering our phone. 7, 8 p.m., that, that's family time, man. Between 8 and 8 in the morning, unless it's an emergency. 
And we know we got a lot of the good leaders in place that can take care of that. Most of you who are part of the Harvest family are involved in a community group. you got a whole community, a whole family around you to help you. People are all the time sending us texts and emails with sermons to watch and podcasts to listen to and books to read and worship songs to listen to. I, man, i got a pile of books. And guys, I thank you if you've given me a book, but I may not have gotten to it because i got piles of books I haven't gotten to yet because I have to make a choice in what I'm going to spend my time on. Does that make sense? I can't watch every video, listen to every podcast, listen to every sermon that we get sent. You have time for what you choose to have time for. Forgive me if I choose my family first, right? That's what we have to do. By the way, what does the Bible say? How long does our life last? James 4.14 says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. As I talked about this at the beginning of the year, we have got to take advantage of the time. Time moves so fast. And we have the time for what we choose to have time for. So firstly, we need to offer loving touch. Secondly, we need to spend quality time. The third thing I want to mention is the importance of speaking encouraging words. So back to Mark chapter 10, in verse 16. He took them in his arms. And we saw in verse 15, it says he embraced them. He took them in his arms. He blessed them, and he laid his hands on them. We see here again that Jesus touches them, but it says that he blesses them interesting to know what Jesus said each one of those little kids as he embraced them as he held them and he as he talked and whispered in their ears whatever it was we know it says here that it was a it was a blessing he encouraged them he lifted them up with his words he wasn't yelling hey cut that out hey stop touching your sister I wish you were more like your brother he was speaking words of encouragement right he was blessing them One of the most important things we can do for our children is to speak words of life and not words of death. We have to watch the words that we speak. And guys, if you're like me as a parent, you know, I I feel like I went went through phases with our kids sometimes where it seemed like, you know, my words were more characterized with catching them doing something they shouldn't or, or, or something I didn't like. We've got to make sure that we're speaking words of encouragement. I would ask you, when was the last time that you told your kids how very proud you are of them. How, 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 when was the last time you told your children how proud you were to be their parent? They should hear it all the time. Man, I am so proud of you. You knocked it out of the park. You did such a great job. You're the best. I love being your dad. We've got to speak those words. And let me say this too. Something I added, I thought of last night. If the only time you're speaking encouraging words over your children is when they get an A or they get a touchdown or, or they lead somebody to Jesus. If that's the only time you're speaking these encouraging words over your children, they will begin to associate their works with your approval. And it's going to do harm. You don't want to do that. You wouldn't want that. And when we are only encouraging them based on works, we raise children that constantly need approval and need to constantly be patted on the back. I think sometimes, you know, I think about the way that, it's kind of like I talked about, I think last year I talked about that. How, you know, we're, 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 we're giving trophies to everybody now because we don't want anybody's feelings hurt. Right? 
It's kind of like, you know, oh, my sweet baby, you went pee-pee in the potty. He's nine. He doesn't need you, you know, woo, he's nine. He's good. You know, I, hey, dad, I brushed my teeth. Do I get a reward? Yeah, you're 16. No, no, no. What we've done, we've raised kids that constantly need approval. They always need a pat. Oh, you're doing so good, baby. No, no. What we got to do is we got to raise them um, to take satisfaction in doing what is good, regardless of whether anybody's watching or anybody's there to give them a reward or not. To give their best. Why? Because they're doing it as unto the Lord. Their life is a worship. We got to speak words of encouragement to them continually, building them up even when they aren't doing well. Tell them who God says they are. Tell them that they are loved all the time. All the time. You know, in Scripture, there's only one place where we see the audible voice of God speak to Jesus. It's when he's baptized, right? Now, it may have happened many times. I, I don't know. I don't know how many times the audible voice of, of, of the Father spoke to Jesus. But there's one time that we see it recorded in, in Scripture. And, and so what, is, what does the Father say? This is my beloved Son, right, in whom I am well pleased. The NIV says, this is my Son who, I'm lo- who I love, and with him I am well pleased. Look at the Passion Translation. It says, then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky, saying, this is the Son I love. And my greatest delight is in him. Guys, the only time we see the audible voice of the Father, what is he doing here? He is telling everybody, I am so, he's publicly saying, I'm so proud of my son. He, I'm so proud that the heavens are splitting open to make this declaration known. I am so proud. Son, you are right on track. Son, I'm with you. I want everybody to know that you're mine. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. That's the words we see the Father speak. We must be continually speaking words of encouragement over our children. It will make a huge impact in their life. And so I just want to close by saying, you know, for us as parents, and like I said again, whether, even if you're a spiritual father, spiritual mother, if you're mentoring somebody, maybe it's just friends. You've got one chance in this life to love the Lord your God with all your heart and be that example before them, to lead them in godliness. You've got one chance in this life to show them loving, affectionate touch. You've got one chance to spend that quality time with them. You've got one chance to speak encouraging words over them. And probably some of you, even after I've said all this, you're saying, man, you still don't get it. I just don't have time. Let me say this, guys. Life moves so fast. And your child may be a baby right now. But those of you who have had kids, you know that you blink and they're walking. You blink again and they're riding a bike. You blink again, they're starting school. You blink again and they're driving. You blink again and they're leaving home starting their life on their own. Guys, even the world recognizes this. It recognizes the importance of a present parent 
in the life of a child. So much so that it, it actually reminded me of a commercial. You guys remember those public service announcements they used to do? They said it was called Pass It On. Pass It On. Y'all remember those? I actually had to do some real searching this week, and I actually found um, the one that I, was, that I was looking for that probably even uh, as a young adult probably made me like tear up because, you know, it just does. But um, we're actually, if you're watching on the live stream, I'm going to show the commercial real quick. If you're watching the live stream, we're going to mute it because, unfortunately, it's got Rascal Flats in the background, and we're going to get flagged for copyright violations if we leave that on there. And so, uh, so we're going to mute the live stream for just a moment, but you guys just watch this and reflect on what all we've been talking about. I hope the days come easy and the moments pass slow And each road leads you where you want to go And if you're faced with a choice and you have to choose I hope you choose the one that means the most to you And if one door opens to another door closed I hope you keep on walking till you find the window If it's cold outside Show the world the warmth of your smile But more than anything Life is fast. We got one chance to do this. We got to offer ourselves, loving God of all our hearts, leading by example, offering loving touch, quality time, and encouraging words. We don't hold back on these things. We give generously. And I want to close with saying this, as I said last week, guys. If you're grown, if your I'm sorry, if your kids are grown and gone on, don't allow your, the enemy to get you, play mind games with you, looking back and going, well, you know, I wonder, I, I should have done this differently, or I should have, you know, whatever it may be. Guys, you're still their parent today. God gives you, every day you wake up and you take that breath, you've got another day, another chance, another opportunity. Yes, you may not quite have the influence that you had when they were six, but you can still love the Lord the God, your God with all your heart. You can still lead them by example, even if it's from a little bit more of a distance. You can still give them loving, appropriate touch and quality time and speak words of encouragement. And you can pray. And you can call the prodigals home. Those who have left and aren't even serving the Lord now, call them home. In Jesus' name, stand and contend. That's your responsibility as a parent. Contend for them until you see God's purposes being accomplished in their life, right? We'll close there. Let me ask you guys to stand up and invite the worship team to come up as we close. What an awesome responsibility to be a parent. And guys, aren't you glad that we have the ultimate parent? We have God the Father, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's our dad. 
and he loves us, and he is the ultimate example. Let me ask you this. Do you love the Lord the God, your God with all your heart? Forget whether or not you have kids or not. It's kind of irrelevant. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Have you bowed your heart and life to Jesus? As he loves you so much. In his humanity, we wandered away from our Father. We've tried to go off and we've tried to do our own thing, our own way. And I know at times it breaks the Father's heart. But he made a way home. He sent his son Jesus to die for us. We had this problem called sin that separated us from him. Jesus was the only one that could solve that problem. And the way he would solve it was by willingly laying down his life, spilling out his blood and laying down his life out of love for you. And that's what he did. And so now the path home for you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not in relationship with the Father, the path home is through Jesus the Son. You just got to say yes to him. Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the problem. The solution is Jesus. So what do we do? We repent. And as we do so, we know that as we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He washes us clean, white as snow. We're able to walk boldly back home, back before our Father, and feel his embrace. And yes, it is certainly a heaven and hell issue. You can be assured if you've surrendered your life to Jesus and when you take your last breath, you'll see your Father's eyes. He'll be standing there with open arms welcoming you home. Guys, we all need Jesus. To every head bowed, if you're here and you would say, I have not surrendered my life to Jesus. Or, 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 or maybe you just recognize that you're, you're simply not living for him. You recognize that your life is not surrendered to him. You recognize that you're, you're living for your own selfish wants and needs and desires and that he's not first. Anybody in this place would say, I need to surrender to Jesus today. Just lift up your hand so I can see. Anybody here? Lift it up high. Okay. You may be watching online and you would say, you know what? That is me. I've been trying to live this life for myself and man, I'm an utter failure. I've been looking for a way out. But what I really need is a way in. A way into the kingdom of God. And it's a free gift. It comes through Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to pray with me, if you want to repeat after me, if you want to say your own words, it's, it's not about the words, it's about the posture of your heart. It's about a heart of repentance, saying, Lord, I turn from my old way of living. I turn from my selfish living and I choose to follow you in your way all the days of my life. So you can say your own words if you want to. But know that when you do that, the Bible says you're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. You become a brand new creation. He, he doesn't just give you your, your spirit a makeover. He gives you a brand new spirit. You're a brand new creation.
your old life. You don't have to live with guilt and shame and, and all that junk anymore. It's crucified on the cross with Jesus. It's dead and gone. And you choose to follow him. Lord, I'll go where you say to go. I'll do what you say to do. It's a life of surrender. Let's pray together, Heavenly Father. I recognize that I am lost and alone. I recognize that I'm lost in my sin and my shame and my guilt. I recognize my need for a Savior. Lord, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to willingly lay down his life for me. Lord, today I repent. I turn from my old life. I turn from my old way of living. I turn from my selfishness. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my King. Be my Lord. I'll follow you to the end. And just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me. That I can be everything you called me to be. I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. And it's, it's about eternal life, but remember I said you're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. If you said that and you really meant it, you are now living the life. You've been snatched out of death. Eternal life doesn't start in heaven. It starts the moment you bow your heart and you say yes to Jesus. There's still going to be problems in this life. Yeah. There's still going to be issues. But guess what? Jesus is now walking with you. When you got the creator of the universe by your side, it's going to make things immensely easier. Right? He's going to be there to help you and pick you up when you're down. He's going to rejoice with you and he's going to mourn with you. And he's going to embrace you like he did the children. And he's going to speak blessings in your ear. And he's going to tell you that you can do it. That you've got this. In just a minute, we're going to have prayer partners down at the sides. And if you bowed your heart to Jesus today, or maybe you just, uh, just re-surrendered your heart, I want you to come down and I want you to tell one of them. Let them know. Ask them to pray for you. And, uh, and if you need a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. If you want to be water baptized, we'll get you water baptized. We'll get it done. But don't, don't walk this alone, this Christian life. That's, that's why we're here. We, we need each other. Amen? Guys, as we close, if you have kids, or even if you don't, I, I, I just want you to think about the relationships in your life for just a second. And I want you to think, and... Am I loving the Lord my God with all my heart and leading from that position, the people around me, the relationships around me? Am I, am I providing that loving touch that they need? Am I spending adequate time? Am I speaking words of encouragement and life? That's not you right now, then repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm going to make a change today. Just ask the Holy, say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me point out these areas in my life as I'm, as I'm trying to grow in this and improve my relationships with my children and the, and the people around me that you've placed in my world. Ask them to show you. 
where you need to begin to make some changes in your life. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.